afternoon, everybody. Brent Gunning, Gord Stellick alongside me for the Leafs this week. I think we've all now had enough time to decompress from that barn burner of a game in St. Louis. You know, you think the uh, now defensively stingy Leafs this season and the Blues, uh, that definitely wasn't the game I think we expected to see, but it was certainly one we enjoyed uh, last night. We'll walk you through what has been a relatively successful, definitely an exciting week for the Leafs. We'll take a look at what's coming up ahead. Also have a little Marley's Minute for you to wrap up the show. But Gord, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll dance around the week as a whole. But man, what what an entertaining game last night. It's kind of similar to what we were saying last week coming off the back of Colorado. No, it's like if they have to have a lockdown every year, January's probably the best time to have a lockdown. <laughs> so bad. of all, a pause, a silver lining and not many silver linings with it was last night to catch well, a great weekend of NFL wildcard action in the in the bitter cold, the frozen tundra of the GTA area. And what a game. What a game to wrap up. Finally, uh, fans in the stands playing elite teams outside the division. Uh, Great individual efforts. Great Leaf stories. And, hey, the Blues had uh, not been beaten 13 games in a row at home. So that's one of those games that if if you're allowed to congregate in, you know, in a sports bar or big, uh, big crowds right now, you'd be talking about it all day today. Yeah, you, you're you're right. You would be, and yeah, I mean, we're kind of stepping just a little bit outside. Yeah, the the rare uh, if you throw the Bills into it, the rare uh, Toronto trifecta last night. Leafs come back win, Raps come back win. Uh, Bills didn't have to come back from anything. They uh, they jumped into a big lead. So yeah, definitely uh, a lot of people in the area. You mentioned the weather, what it's like outside. I you know dur- during intermissions, kind of flipping over, trying to check in on a bit of that Bills game. I just saw that every single guy on the field, just tons of steam coming out of their. It's just one of those days you flick on your TV and it looks cold. If you're outside at all yesterday, you know it was. So, yeah, not a bad night uh, to enjoy a, a, a tremendous hockey game. You know, looking at last night's game, uh, the Leafs kind of fall behind early. Ryan O'Reilly, he was tremendous for the Blues. He, he had a pair of their goals last night. But, I, you know, we, we've said it before. Other teams have shown good pushback against the Leafs, but it was the Leafs who showed a little pushback last night. After falling behind, they, they charge out. They score three in the first period against a, a, a Blues team that you know doesn't doesn't often give you that much so I again I think you know there there are parts of the game we can nitpick about last night but I think just that that was like a throwback to Norris division hockey like that was that is six five up and down both ways it was like a little bit of a junior hockey game too a lot of stuff coaches don't like a lot of real skill plays just just so much to like about that game last night yeah last shot wins it had that kind of feel to it and you know just <laughs> the, that I, I like that the whole trip was like that that they were bringing it they were going after it and I know there's questions about what happened in you know Colorado and Vegas and in the worry is the fear given what happened in last year's playoffs about about having leads dissipate um, then also not being able to go the juggler in Arizona when Austin Matthews scores 15 seconds in the third period to tie it and you know you didn't have that same you know, the same vibe like last night like they got all kinds of shots on goal but it seemed on the periphery where last night man uh, it was in the greasy area it was in the trenches it was uh, so well Matthews again, like wow, and 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 so many others, and and you know Ilya Mikheyev, and we talked about it last night on Leafs Nation post game afterwards that I, I I think sports mirrors life so often, Brent, that you know when when things aren't going your way, you can't get a break, and then when things are going your way, you get breaks, and you really don't need them, right? And he couldn't score; he was getting all those breakaways. We've kidded about the Michael Grebner references when it really was was starting to get not that funny because it was becoming a little bit too true. And, you know, he, he couldn't get that break on a goal. Then all of a sudden, he's found his scoring acumen, and then he gets a break on one that uh, only the referee initially seemed to see that was actually in the net. 
Yeah, you you nailed it with the comparison. Very reminiscent of the Patrick Kane overtime winner in the cup final against, I believe it was Michael Layton in net uh, for the Flyers. Man, that feels like a, a thousand years ago. Wow. But yeah, it definitely it, it definitely had that that kind of feel uh, of that of that winner last night. I mean, it felt like an OT winner. The Leafs then uh, they had to kind of dig down and and close it right at the tail end of the game. But you know, I think maybe the most kind of encouraging thing, and again, there's there's definitely some questions to be had following this, but it felt like in all the you know, you can kind of throw the Arizona game uh, away. They they pummeled nearly 50 shots on the goaltender, albeit some of it from the outside. And it, But, you know, I don't think you can kind of read too, too much into that performance. But if you look at the three really talented teams that they played on this trip, it felt like the Blues were were kind of the, or, or sorry, the, the Golden Knights were kind of the middle ground between the two teams. Like, the Blues are as heavy a team as there is in hockey. The Avalanche are probably right up there with anybody in terms of skill and speed. And then it felt like the Golden Knights were kind of that middle ground with with a little bit of both. And I think that that's a a really kind of encouraging thing to have coming out of this trip is that you kind of got your team tested in the two different ways you can kind of get it done in this league. And I thought you you ha- they handled themselves pretty well in in all three instances. Yeah, the, I mean, there's 15. You know, the, these are the three teams in the Western Conference that are going to vie for the uh, final, in my opinion. Unless there's a, an upset, these are the three strongest teams in the Western Conference. You know, sorry, Nashville, and that that maybe I don't quite put you in that category right now. And and, and I, I just I just like and and you know the other part, Brent, I, I liked that Sheldon Keith picked post game Arizona to do and you know we talked to Justin Bourne about that he worked with Sheldon Keefe just you know just to kind of throw you off a little bit that he kind of threw some salvos out some challenges some criticisms and every now and then you got to do that and he did that you know weeks ago or months ago about when they played so poorly against Carolina kind of reminding them that hey if you want to be in the elite and I keep talking about the deep end of the playoff pool these are the other guys that are going to be there. These are the other teams. And uh, I like the response. I like the reaction they had in St. Louis. Down, and then down one nothing, And it wasn't like, oh, my God, gave up the first game on the road in the most difficult place to play right now. It, it, it was quite the contrary. And, yeah, just coming so many po- – and, and it wasn't a game where Jack Campbell had to be the difference maker. This was uh, – this was this was a night of this felt like an Oiler game because it was like would they get every night ordinary <laughs> goaltending in Edmonton? This felt like that on on both sides in, in two real elite goaltenders in Jack Campbell and Jordan Bennington and, and 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 it was relatively an ordinary night for them. But again, you know, a timely big save by Campbell, and that's part about being a winning goaltender is uh, shutting out some time or holding a team to one goal, but also a game where there's lots of goals, making the big save just when it counts. Well, that that's exactly it for me. You know, I was ready. I, I was ready to sit here and say, okay, this is now three games in a row where Campbell's given up at least four goals. Not that there's any worry, but is it time to slow pump the brakes just a little bit on on how high we're we're riding on this guy? But then. You nailed it with the comparison to Grant Fear last night in the postgame show. It sometimes is about in a barn burner game. Look, every team would love to like, I mean, we wouldn't love to watch it all the time, but every team would love to play a button down two nothing win or a three one win or something like that. But you're not going to have nights like that. And sometimes it's going to be just a more free flowing game. Sometimes you're not going to be at your best. But the fact that he was able to drill down and make that big, big pad save late in the slot with just a couple of minutes left made a few more big ones down the stretch as well it's just that's the kind of thing that gives you confidence in a guy that no matter because because here's the thing we've seen him do it in other games this year where he is he he 
had every right to give up three or four, and he only managed to give up one or two. Like you, you've seen him kind of get it done in both scenarios, and I think that's that's a really really encouraging thing to see. You you mentioned Matthews er, earlier on. He has now one game away from tying the NHL record for road games with a goal. Now that's like a really specific niche stat, but it also really matters. Like the fact that you don't get, this isn't a, this isn't a scenario where your head coach is able to give you perfect matchups all the time. This isn't a case where you're able to get out against whoever it is. You feel like you, you can, you know, succeed the best against. This is a case of just kind of a lot of times going strength against strength or being the player. He is, he's going up against other teams, top defensive pairs and it doesn't matter every single night he's ripping off uh, you know goals I think I don't think any of us were too too worried when he had I think it was just one goal in his first nine games but I don't know that I saw a stretch quite like this coming from him either it's just he 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 truly is incredible well and and yeah he's uh and man it's just like on Marner's goal like like Matthews created the opportunity like he's just he's he's that he's that piranha out there like he's just out there on the ice and you kind of you know the electric football games when you have all those guys that (laughs) all the all the things go they run they run all over the place it's such a ripoff but you but you control the one quarterback remember that you see it I know exactly what you're talking about yeah (laughs) so only one player really works on the game well that's Austin Matthews right it's like you go out there and everyone else has the vibrating surface there going and he he's going with a purpose to get the puck or make the best play possible i mean what a pleasure what a pleasure and uh part of the matching lines and this is something to throw out there and just because i know we do want to set up the week ahead later on but just uh, uh, uh my wife lisa was just taking a look at the leaf schedule for this week and she kind of you know she's not as plugged in so said oh you got a game tomorrow night said, no 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 we you know <laughs> no no i know that's the original schedule so yeah tomorrow night home against new jersey that's going to happen another day wednesday in New York is when Austin Matthews could tie that record of consecutive uh, games with a goal on the road. And then Saturday was great. They were supposed to play home against the Islanders. They flipped that, so they will play on Long Island. But, you know, one note is just because so many so many players have been in COVID protocol, you really have not been able to put together kind of that, I don't even know if they call it a pure checking line, but, you know, it, so you've had to kind of go best against best. And, you know, here's the thing. Justin Hall, Nick Ritchie, and... Uh, and Andre Kasha. So as far as I understand, Brent, is they have to stay in the States, right? They have to stay for at least five days. Like, that's the whole thing about getting caught on the wrong side of the border in COVID protocol. So Mitch Marner and Pierre Engvall were back in Canada. They cleared, and they joined the team in St. Louis. So uh, in, in that case... Um, I don't know how they're, if they're going to charter a plane to get them to New York or what they're going to do, but they could be eligible maybe for Wednesday's game. I'm not quite sure, but they would kind of rejoin the team or, or else be, be able to play on Saturday in Long Island. I mean, these, are, these are one of the perils about getting tested every day uh, about that, that if you, if you do get tested on the other side of the border, uh, whatever your home base may be, then whatever the rules are of that particular jurisdiction come into play. Yeah, that is, that's really interesting. I mean, you could have a scenario because, you know, Kasha was available. I'm trying to remember he did play in the Arizona game or for sure he played in the Vegas game. So it's a guy, guys who have played in the States, you know, do they go, do they go set up a little quarantine house in New York with the Leafs playing their next two games, albeit Wednesday and Saturday, but in, in New York, I don't know, maybe you get a little, a little staycation there. I, I have no idea how it works. It's definitely an interesting thing to, to watch for. And yeah, you mentioned the 
the kind of lack of consistency. And, you know, obviously we're drilled down on the Leafs. I think that other teams across the league, of course, are dealing with this. Like, look at the Blues. They didn't have Braden Shen last night, uh, among other players. I believe Tarasenko missed last night as well. But, yeah, that, that checking line, that that was the, you know, when when, every, when, when Keefe was kind of putting together the lines at the start of the season, okay, Matthews and Marner, okay, Nylander and Tavares, and then it very quickly became Camp and Kasha. And it's been kind of a revolving role alongside them, but with Marner hurt, you had Kasha bumped up to the top six. So, yeah, it's been just kind of David Camp and friends on, uh, you know, to, to borrow from, from Tim and friends there. It's just kind of that's been the look of the, the Leafs checking line. And I think that's going to bode well for them as the season goes on. The fact that it hasn't, you'd love it if you have the continuity that it's just you could set it and forget it. And let's just say it's Mikheyev, Camp, and Kasha. And they're going to be in the lineup every night. Of course, you'd love that. But I think you kind of saw it pay dividends in the fact that Pierre Engvall is now a guy they kind of trust in those moments. He he goes out there. He ends up setting Mikheyev up for the goal last night. And I think the fact that you have to use other players in those roles, it's going to it's gonna really bode well for them. Like Simmons is another guy who, who's got some run uh, on that third line. I think the more guys you have that you can trust as game gets games get tight late and they're going to in the playoffs, it's just it's just kind of one more thing this this Leafs team know what they have going forward. Yeah, and I, was there a stat that is it sixty percent of all NHL players now have participated in COVID protocol? I think uh, it's which, something like that. Yeah, and, and a lot of people are saying this is um, hopefully what happens in because I mean I don't know about you. I think we've talked about this before. I, I know so many people, which unlike the first few waves, right, and, the, and those yeah. first few waves were a lot more severe as far as the effects on people. But it seems like the NHL again is mirroring society. So um, the if you want to call it the positive is that what if you're six. Well, then you're uh, it's 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 deemed that you should be okay the rest of the way. I don't I, I take it they still test them now. I know uh, I've had friends that say one of the if they want to call it a positive, they've tested positive, but now they don't have to test for six months or something like that. But anyway, that just is uh, it's kind of rolling the way through like it is rolling the way through in, in society in North America uh, and the NHL is the same. Yeah, no, it, it definitely is. And I, I'm trying to think. I believe they mentioned on the broadcast last night. I think there's only three or four Leafs who are not getting tested right now because of the recent or because of recently being in protocols or actively uh, be, being in, in protocols now. So, yeah, it's just again, you know, the Leafs are dealing with it, but so is every team. So is everybody uh, in your life, you know, just just kind of drilling down on Matthew's season. We talked a lot about this earlier on in the in the year and you know you've been seeing the kind of Matthews goals we're used to seeing lately he had the wrist shot in Arizona he had the shot last night but it feels like he's been getting so many greasy goals and to me that is just you know I I remember in John Tavares first season with the Leafs there was so much talk about Mitch Marner setting him up but there was also a lot of talk of man every goal he scores is from right in the blue paint like it, like what does it say about a player and to me it's just a sign of where kind of Matthews hockey sense has risen to not that he was a player who lacked it at all you score four goals your NHL debut you you got pretty decent hockey sense but it just seems to me like he's been able to kind of meld scoring the beautiful shots from distance that we're used to seeing with Matthews with these kind of greasier kind of more power forward goals and and that's to me what feels like it's been kind of the difference for him why he's been able to go on this tear because he's had tears like this in the past but it feels like they've been you know maybe five six seven games long it feels like he's been he he's been doing this basically going back to the start of December now. 
Yeah, you're right. You're right. And we're talking about a guy that already, you know, like uh, has been competing and won a Rocket Richard Trophy, right? So we're uh, yeah. so. But before it would be, oh my God, can you believe he threaded the needle on that? And then you're you're learning how how much he works on shooting, how much he works on getting the right loft in his stick. I mean, how much it's not just about the accuracy and the power. It's part about how he's uh, he's got it down to a science, elevating that puck and just, you know, so it, it, it was interesting to watch because, and in fairness to some, like, I mean, I, I'll use a guy like Rick Five. I know that's a long time ago, but three-time 50-goal scores, and he was he was a great sniper. You have nowhere near the technology that is available nowadays. It's, it's like night and day, and night and day three times over uh, as far as the <laughs> stick technology goes and so Austin Matthews kind of educating us when you've got an elite player and being able to use it and now the page from John Tavares I think is very apropos I've always liked that John Tavares being the opportunist the the greasy area kind of guy and and uh, and and probably a lot of it is teams have got set and as and as much as possible have tried to get in the way of Austin Matthews shooting lanes a bit more you know you pre-scout and that and so all of a sudden he's he's deciding I'm 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 going to freelance and I'm going to I'm going to diversify and find other ways because I I have that is a real good observation. Yeah, you, you mentioned Rick Five. I, I, I don't know that he used this one, but when I think of the old school sticks, I still go to like the aluminum Gretzky Titan. And yeah, they didn't quite pack the uh, technological punch that uh, Matthews or Marner or whatever these guys are, are using today. Just just a little a little uh, a little bit different there. Um, you know, speaking of Marner, he he sets up Matthews for the goal last night. Keith had talked about coming out of the Arizona team or out of the Arizona game that he thought his team just looked really tired. I think there was definitely signs. Of of that I think it's hard when you're not playing games, you know, not to use it as an excuse. I don't think Keith would would give his team that, but it is definitely something where when you're just out of the flow of playing games regularly, it can be hard to kind of have that life, ha- have that jump late late in a game. And you know, I thought I, I'm not going to put it all on, on one guy, but obviously Marner kind of coming in with really fresh legs. I thought he had a ton of jump last night, and you know, I think he I think he was a real big reason why the Leafs were able to have the pushback a couple times that they were. Yeah, no question. I think, and and you know, and Keith did articulate more about it after after Arizona, which because I I was a little bit curious, and I th- I think he was just kind of reminding the team that yeah, it's it's not really your fault because we just haven't played enough games, but it also means we have to bear down. We have to bear down and be you know can't be mentally fatigued as well. That 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 you know the Arizona game was a game that was there. Like how can you not win it? I mean, geez, you know, and I I I think that was that was more about that. And yeah, we got to we got to keep that in mind, you know, as uh, it, it's like, okay, they, that Saturday night or, or even before that, the game in Calgary was canceled. Then that hockey night in Canada game in Vancouver, which the Leafs had even showed up in the building, right? And yep. then it was called off, called off, so they didn't have to go to Seattle at least. But, you know, it's it's like been almost a month since they've been in that flow, right? Since they've been in that flow, and and uh, uh, and and that was a good reminder. And man, it's gonna it's because it's gonna continue to be a problem for everybody in the NHL, you know, about trying to get back in sync. And and uh, I I I like to because we understood that more about Colorado. I mean that you're the you know the altitude, the way they're playing, the pace of the game, and you know getting tired. But uh, uh, it was interesting. He pointed that out, and I, I think it was his own way, kind of a challenge to the team. 
Yeah, and that, and I I have to give Keith credit for this. I think he has really struck the the right balance this year. He he was hard on this team early on in the season when they deserved it. I think he's he's found the right time to kind of tweak them, even when they're still going well. Uh, I I just think he he's done a tremendous job. Again, it's all it, it'll all matter for naught if they don't get it done in the first round of the playoffs, and that's where his coaching is going to kind of matter the most. But I think in terms of kind of managing the highs and lows and kind of you know stick versus carrots for this team. I think he's done a really nice job. You know, we're talking about the kind of lack of, of games that this team has played lately. There was a time when they were sitting atop the Atlantic Division, and in part that was because they played more games than anybody else. They've now got four games in hand on the Lightning, a couple games in hand on the Panthers. Uh, Boston, they, they had really had a lack of games played. They've now just played one game less than the Leafs so far, so I, that that's going to be a really exciting thing to kind of watch is that, that Atlantic Division because you know, we'll, we'll talk about the the league at whole a little later on in the show, but I mean, Boston's gone on this run as of late now, and I don't think it's any accident that it's because they've actually started playing a run of games. They've been consistently doing it, and I think that that that's the kind of big positive you can look forward to the Leafs is, I think this team has another level to reach, because we've seen them play better than this this year, and it was when they were consistently playing. It wasn't when they were having, you know, one, maybe two games a week. It was when they were able to get into that two or three rhythm. Yeah, and again, this is one we'll debate. I, th- I think we both agree. Like, I, I really, um, I like the one versus eight, two versus seven conference style. I mean, I this Atlantic division, and again, hey, the point is, the last two years, the Leafs played a team in the first round that wasn't Boston. We felt we felt they were the favorite over Columbus. We felt they were favorite over the Montreal. So now it's going to go back to the Atlantic division reality, and I think that's another point that Sheldon Keith teed off on Wednesday after the Arizona losses. Like, if you come second and third, man, like, what a battle. If you come first, you got a chance of playing a wild card team, right? You got a chance of that. But right now, because uh, stuff remains interdivision, and look at the Florida Panthers. Don't look now. They just got 16 goals in their last two games. The Tampa Bay Lightning are the defending Stanley, two-time defending Stanley Cup champion. And the Boston Bruins now are starting to look to like, like, like that team that has broken Leaf fans' hearts far too often. And uh, I, uh, uh, so the, that's kind of what Sheldon Keefe is, is saying. Like, you know, if, if, you can, if you can come first... And that that's a tall order in the Atlantic, but it's it's not like it's not like you shouldn't you shouldn't try to play. No, never mind, you shouldn't play being satisfied making the playoffs. The still the point is you want to make you want to become first in your division. Yeah, you do. And and look, like this this stuff is cyclical. The Pacific Division was was loaded for for a time, but you know, look at the second and third teams in the Pacific right now. It's the Kings and the Ducks. And you know, hey, the the Kings and Ducks have actually both played the Leafs uh, pretty tough at times this year. But I think I'm taking the Lightning and the Leafs in terms of overall talent. That's the second and third team in the Atlantic uh compared to the Kings and Ducks in the in the Pacific. You got the Predators as the second best team in the Central, you know, a solid team, but again, I don't think anyone is kind of putting them in the in the class of the lightning uh or, or or the leafs and then that metropolitan division has just been so jammed up all, all year long but even there you're starting to see uh some of the separation with the kind of top four bottom four like, like we're seeing in the atlantic so it's going to be it, it is going to be fun to see the kind of playoff races but I, i'm with you i think you know i at first i said at some point in time you got to go through these teams you might as well just go through them you've got to make this easy on yourself and if you're the leafs i i, I think you're going to end up with a scenario where boston is probably that top wild card team so if you can avoid 
everybody in the Atlantic in the first round, avoid the Panthers, avoid the Lightning, avoid Boston, and then you end up with, I don't know, a, a Penguins, a Capitals. I'm not saying that's an, an easy matchup by, by any means, but I think you'd, you'd rather take your chances with them than, than any of the, the other teams I just mentioned there. Yeah, and last year when we did the, uh, you know, last year in uh, covering the Maple Leaf games, it the, the sense was from the word go, the puck drop, okay, this is this is unique. They got a season. They got a season. I know there's no fans, but they, they saved a season just like they saved a playoff in the bubble the previous summer. Okay, 56 games. Oh, it's great. We're going to play all Canadian-based teams. Then after 10 games, oh, this kind of sucks. I'd like to play other teams. But anyway, this is what we got. <laughs> the upside is... This is set up for the Maple Leafs. This is set up. This is set up. It's like someone's giving you half the answers for your final exam somewhere, right? And and this is what we thought. So this year, I, I I almost say I welcome it because quite often those things that are set up, you know, don't work out. And I, I welcome the battle that it's going to be hard. Uh, it's but if you're going if you're going to get somewhere, uh, that's what it is. And the, the the setting up didn't didn't go in their favor anyway. One one day, I'll stop thinking about it. And I, I'm sure that day will come when the Leafs win a first-round series. But until then, I'm going to sit here thinking, oh, Montreal, oh, Columbus. It was right there. It was right there. It was right there. But not to be uh, Leafs. Maybe this is the year they're finally able to get past the first round of the playoffs. Uh, 6-5 winners last night in St. Louis. They're coming home, but the road trip technically will continue. Uh, the next game is Wednesday. That's against the Rangers. Then they got the Isles on Saturday. We will give you a more full look ahead at the week coming up for the Leafs plus dance around the NHL a little more as we continue. It's the Leafs this week on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. <laughs> the Leafs this week. Brent Gunning, Gord Stellick alongside me for about oh, 20, 25 more minutes here. Walking you ahead of what's going to be, an, I'm sure, an exciting week in Leafsland. Also taking a look at large around the uh, NHL. Uh, Gord, I just wanted to kind of, I, I just saw these numbers as I was, I was uh, you know, sometimes I, I don't ever do calculations. I am not the wonderful Steve Fellin. I'm not even the wonderful you when I'm doing my back, when you're doing your back of the napkin <laughs> math uh, to get us back in time for, for the start. Of, of periods after intermissions, but uh, Colorado, Vegas, and St. Louis. These are the three teams that, that kind of came back against the Leafs, or well, the Leafs came back against at least one of them. They are ranked first, third, and fourth in terms of third period goals scored in the NHL. The next team they're playing, the Rangers, they are fifth. So, you know, not, not that the Leafs ever want to sit back and ever want to sit on a lead and wait on it, but, you know, as we've talked so much about the comebacks that have happened against this Leafs team, those are all the teams in the league that are the best at, at doing it. So I think, I think we do, you know, we've been given the team's credit for what they do, but I don't know that I quite realized that it was exactly that apparent, that they, they're all very good but they're really good in the in the third period so i just thought that was a uh, kind of interesting nugget i'd throw at you there well good math good math by you yeah yeah and, and, and you know that's about you know that's about winning teams like doesn't matter if you score the first goal against them it doesn't matter if you have a lead after two periods i mean if you're a team that struggles you quite often one or both of those things is a sign that okay uh night's done but uh, and and he started with colorado like, did they ever bring it? But you know what? That's what the Leafs did last night. What were the shots at one point? Like, like fifteen to two yeah. at one point against St. Louis in the third period. So you know, so it, it, you know, we got to acknowledge and tip our hat to seeing it done by the opponents. And then it was nice to see that very same thing done by the Maple Leafs last night. 
Well, I should probably, you know, uh, I, I should probably mention as well that, you know, look, there were there were extenuating circumstances uh, in in the first game, but the Leafs pasted the Avalanche at home in the first go around. Like there was no comeback from from Colorado, and that's that's one game. But I think sometimes we make a big deal about it when when it's a negative uh, for for the Leafs, and there's something to kind of nitpick about. But hey, uh, there there was none of that comeback uh, from Colorado when when the Leafs had laugh change, when the Leafs had a full lineup. So I think I think we have to give them a, not. Not that you're not, but I just wanted to give them a, a touch a touch of credit uh, uh, there. Kind of setting up the week ahead. Uh, the Rangers, Leafs and Rangers have already played one incredibly exciting game. Uh, they had the three-on-three overtime game uh, back at Scotiabank. You and I were in the building for it. Uh, this Rangers team, I, I think, has surprised some people a little bit. They're sitting atop the division now. You know, I thought some people thought this was a talented team. I don't think if they thought they'd, they'd quite be the top team uh, in, in the Metro, but it, it should be a, a fun game against the Rangers on Wednesday night. And uh, by the way, so I am going to talk about the Rangers, but you mentioned about, you know, divvying things up on a napkin. And this is where our age difference was. And I can think <laughs> back when, you know, in your late teens or early 20s and going out for dinner, like at the keg or something, you know, big, big outing. And you got and you got a gang, right, that goes. And <laughs> oh, then yeah. the people that leave early, right, and they calculate <laughs> and they don't include tip and tax. No, and I, and I, never and do. And I used to, oh, it used to just tick me off. Because if you leave early, you pay extra. So all of a sudden yep. they're divvying it. And then the bill comes and <laughs> lo and behold, everyone's got to come up with some more. So anyway, you know who you are out there, okay? You know who you are out there. New York, New York Rangers, Brent, is uh, the line I heard so often is, God, they're playing well, but they're not really impressive and it's that's a funny that's a funny misnomer early on early on when they had success so much it was goaltending related but uh i um you know it's 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 really you know they they they're the imagine if capo caco and alexis lafreniere were playing anywhere close to austin matthews and mitch marner right Man. you know imagine <laughs> that if they ever did like it you know they're they're a first overall pick and a second overall pick kind of on the slow side but they their goaltending's phenom- phenomenal and that's why they could you know kind of let henrik lundqvist uh, move on uh, uh, when it all happened because what they have and we know about adam fox winning the norris division so so i, I think it's a uh, I think it's a really you know, kind of L.A. seems to be doing the same in the West now about a team doing what the Leafs did a, a number of years ago, that really, really good rebuild. And then you get a guy like Artemi Panarin in, in free agency, kind of like the Leafs got, got John Tavares, and, and that adds a real elite, elite piece. That's, this is going to be a good matchup, going to be a good matchup. Yeah, it is. You you mentioned Fox. I mean, anytime you're sitting at a point-per-game number as a defenseman, that's what he is, 39 points in, in 39 games. You know, he was tremendous in, in the games we've seen him play this year. You know, I, I love the point you bring up about Lafreniere. I mean, you know, Capo Caco, I was a little less sure what he was going to be. You know, obviously not kind of coming out of the Canadian junior system. There's a little less hype about him. But, I mean, Lafreniere, he was supposed to be one of the guys. Like, okay, maybe, maybe not McDavid. Maybe that's unfair. But he was supposed to be kind of right right there in terms of all these tremendous young players that were coming. You know, I remember him at the World Juniors. He was a dominant force. You go look at the numbers he put up at, I believe, Ramuski. He was everything you expected, and it just hasn't really kind of happened. And, you know, you, you mentioned, imagine if they were Marner or Matthews. Man, imagine if he was even, you know, William Nylander at, at this point in time. And I think it's just another example of, man, like, don't take these guys for granted. Like, Marner, even a guy like him, you know, not in the lineup for a handful of games. He had the knee injury. 
injury and then and then he had the COVID protocols. Like, just don't take these guys for granted because the Rangers, it's staring you right there in the face. And, you know, that's not to say those, those two players in Lafreniere and Kako can't have, you know, solid careers. And, and it's not to say they can't find their footing and be everything they expect to be in the coming seasons. But it's also right there in front of you at how how it's not exactly promised, even when you have the those those super high lottery picks. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, so I mean they got Zabinajet is one of the more streaky performers as well. Uh, really they're streaky. they're 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 kind of a team looking to to find or uh, evolving into finding their identity. And and uh, and later in the week the Leafs take on the New York Islanders. And it's funny the Metropolitan Division is starting to mirror the Atlantic Division, and it looks like there's four haves and four have-nots, which I never expected there. Like, I, I expected the Islanders to be battling teams like the Rangers for those four playoff spots, but the, the Rangers and the Pittsburgh Penguins and company, like, every time every time that the Philadelphia Flyers or the New York Islanders seem to get a little bit of traction, boom, all of a sudden they're back to a double-digit chasm, you know, in the playoff hunt. So, so it's funny right now. It almost seems like in the East Conference, you, you can, even though we're, we haven't hit the halfway point, but you, you can name the eight playoff teams, which I never expected at this point. Yeah, it does. It does feel that way. Uh, so, sorry, Red Wings and down and sorry, Jackets and down. I, I think we know well, what's going to happen here. Definitely playing for playoff seeding, all that still up for grabs. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I, you know, the, the Flyers were a team I maybe had some hopes on in, in that division, but but clearly I was a little off base there. The Islanders just never got going this year. And, you know, they were they're a team that they need to play from ahead when they're playing, you know, one individual game, but it also feels like they're not a team that can kind of play from behind within a season. You know, they had no home games because of uh, the building issues, and then they had they had a ton of players in COVID protocols. And you know, I think I think uh, I can't remember the particulars of it, but my understanding is, you know, it felt like uh, the league was maybe a little more understanding of COVID situations that came after that. The Islanders were the first team to kind of really get dinged by it this year, and they they've just never really found their footing and. You know, they're a team that it's a really solid group that Lou Lamorello has built there, but it's a team that kind of has to play really within the lines. And anytime you have to kind of try to push push things, it's just it, it's not set up well for them. So, yeah, I mean, look, Islanders, you're going to Long Island. We all know what that's going to be. They're going to be booing JT left, right and center. And, you know, I'm 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 happy for him that Tavares is going in there now because I think he's coming off of, you know, I, I know it's going to be basically a, well, it will be a week away from from last night by by the time he goes into Long Island, but I thought he had one of his better games of the season last night, and I, I've just really liked his play, and I'm with you. We don't need to do the win it for, for JT thing in Long Island. That's uh, that's dead and gone, but I'm sure he still would like to have a really strong performance in that game on Saturday night. Yeah, a little less bite, right, when your team is struggling, right? It, it doesn't, <laughs> just a bit. Yeah, yeah, because uh, early on it just seemed the Islanders would beat the Leafs every time, and John Tavares wouldn't play well, so now, yeah. Yeah, you move on, you move on and, and move forward. And uh, uh, I think the the important thing is, that, you know, he got challenged a little bit, or his line did, by uh, by Sheldon Keefe after the Arizona game. And, and they really they really responded last night. You know, more and more we're just seeing about how we felt this whole thing would unravel. You know, part of it, unfortunately, was that, that injury in the playoffs last year. And anyway, on and on we go. It's, it, it, it's fun when things are on a high that there, there are so many positives. There's, there's not a lot of things to nitpick about. 
Yeah, there uh, there really are uh, right now, and I should mention we'll have that game for you on Saturday night right here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and the Maple Leafs Radio Network. Big extended pregame show starting up at 6 o'clock. That's uh, next Saturday. Gordon and I will be there. Of course, we'll have a pod after the uh, after the Rangers game uh, on Wednesday night. You know, I did want to kind of bounce around the NHL a little bit with you. Uh, you mentioned it earlier on in the show. Uh, Florida Panthers saved some goals for later on in the year. 16 in their last two games. Panthers are an incredible team, but I think a lot of people are, 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 well, I won't speak for a lot of people. I'll speak for myself. I'm watching them saying, okay, this, this Panthers team is where the Leafs were a couple of seasons ago. Tons of talent, tons of pieces you love, good goaltending, solid structure, have yet to prove anything in, in games that matter. And I think that's just, they're in the kind of prove it stage right now, but man, uh, are they hot right now? Well, and uh, you can say they've come later than Leafs, but they've won as many playoff series recently, like the Leafs as well. That's, <laughs> exactly. that's the next thing. But, yeah, they got, they got so many things going. Uh, again, their goaltending, which has, which has been great, but before, uh, you know, has had its ups and downs. But, you know, you, you got a first overall pick in Ekblad. You got a second overall pick in Barkov, a third overall pick in Huberto, and, you know, other high rounds as well. It's, it, it's, it's, it takes it – t- and that's why Arizona Coyotes – Man, I know, I know you're, you're, you know, like it ain't easy to happen. Okay, you got all these draft picks, but Florida just shows that it can take a long, long time. Yeah, the one, the one thing I am watching for Florida, and hey, give them credit. They, you can only play the games that that are ahead of you. The Panthers have played a ton of games at home. They played 24 of their 38. On the road, they're just 5, 4, and 5. And look, you know, some of that has to do with what what you're looking at in terms of opponents on the road. But I think that for a team that is still kind of learning how to win, all that stuff, I I think there's something to say. Because, I mean, this this Leafs team can look at times like a different team when they don't have last change. So I'm not not sitting here saying the Panthers aren't a great team. I think they are. But I do think there's just, just a few things. We, we need to learn about them still, including what they're going to look like when they play the Leafs. Because we keep saying there, there's a rumor there's a game on the schedule, but I'm not going to believe it till I see it. Because I can't believe it's almost February and the two teams haven't played each other yet. Now, one difference is the Panthers' playoff series... That was one of the, they lost, but that was one of the most exciting playoff series last awesome year. Series that was the best the first round yep. series. Not so for the Leafs. No. Okay, they, so you know <laughs> they lost again to go back to it. I, I, I boy, I gotta, I gotta come to grips and say, quit going back to that. Quit, quit the knee jerk reaction. But you can't help it. You can't help it. But anyway, and then the other positive you mentioned earlier though, when we're talking about greatness, and you know Barkov's a great player, Huberto's a great player, and that. But it, it, the the Austin Matthews streak. And I know you said it right off the top, but remind people that, okay, it's on the road. You could say it's kind of a quirky street to get, you know, 10 consecutive road games. You've got at least a goal, but they get the last change, right? So they get to yep. put who they want out against Austin Matthews all the time. So uh, that, that's what – it's kind of like he's, he's at this point right now in his NHL career. Bring it on. I don't care. Bring your best on. I don't care. Put him out there, and I'm, I'm going to make mincemeat out of them. It's true. It, it really doesn't matter. He he is saying, I, I will take on any and all comers. And, and, you know, I'm sure some people out there are saying, well, you know, the Tavares-Nylander line is pretty good. Teams are trying to stop that. Yeah, trust me. The way Austin Matthews is going right now, job number one is is keeping him off the score sheet. And if, if it's going to be Nylander and Tavares burning you, I'm sure, I'm sure there are plenty of teams who would sign up for that because uh, Matthews is as scary a guy going in, in the league right now. Uh, another team that's been red hot, Boston. They've, they've won five. 
five straight. Uh, the, you know, you, you keep telling me uh, the boogeyman is not real, but I swear he is, and it's a team that wears black and gold in Boston because I see this team coming. Pasternak and Marshawn have, have hat-tricks in back-to-back games. Tuka Rask is back. Oh, man, I, I've seen this movie before, and this Bruins team just feels like I, they're not as deep. They're older than they were, but, man, they are still going to be scary for whoever has to deal with them in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, it's the, it's the old line about you, uh, you're a veteran team, which is a positive, and, uh, and then you become an old team. And it can happen overnight being a negative. They ain't there yet. They're not there yet. And then you got a young Charlie Mac- McAvoy being injected on the D. You know, that's they, – they didn't have – well, they had Zidane Chair. They don't have that presence. So they didn't have Charlie McAvoy back in, 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 in 2012 and 2013, right? And um, the part – and I think Leaf fans are at a spot now. It's not. It's we saw it the other way around. That every year, the Leafs were so in the Ottawa Senators' head, right? And they beat mm-hmm. him in four playoffs. And and all four years, the Ottawa Senators had a better regular season record than the Leafs, and they were just so. Particularly that four game sweep when Shane Corson just you know checked Alexi Yashin into the ground, and the Leafs won in four. But uh, but yeah, that the the good part is. Um, well, I'm trying to think how many are still. No, some are still here from that last one. Some are still here from that last one against Boston. But yeah, you have to you have to just get it out of your head and and uh, and and move ahead. Whoever you play in the playoffs, but Boston, yeah, they they've had that. Ah, game six, Morgan Riley Sunday I afternoon know. has the Leafs up one nothing. Easter Sunday, come on, come on. That's when they should have wrapped that up. Yeah, see, see, Gord, you you tell yourself you have to you have to move on and get past Montreal, and we're still the doing show's Easter Sunday. The show's killing me. I know, I know, and we asked to do it. We sat here saying we would love yeah. to talk about this, and uh, and here's what we do: we end up uh, just just walking down uh, memory lane, and a lot of times there's a nightmare stall uh, along the way. Uh, a team that's been having a bit of a nightmare right now. Edmonton Oilers, six straight, lose to the Sens last night. Uh, You know, this obviously, look, they've got two of the best players in the game. They've got the best player in the game. But you've got to figure this out here. I mean, we talk about wasting primes. We've talked about it in tons of sports with tons of athletes. It does feel like we're getting to that point where with Connor McDavid of, you know, this is a guy who almost certainly going to be on the outside looking in playoff time. couple years, it's been that way for him in his career. And it's just how much longer can this kind of thing go on in Edmonton? Boy, how much fun is he not having? God, you know, um, <laughs> so Ken Holland and, uh, you know, addresses the media and 10, or, and, well, when you address the media, you're really addressing the fans. But and then Dave Tippett do trying to, you know, trying to trying to cool the flames a little bit, you know, with what went on. And and uh, so he just talked about the importance about that. Uh, like Mike Smith was supposed to split games with Miko Koskinen. I mean, they're still really screwed up by not going get another goaltender. Let's just, you know, that that's that's flat out what happened. So you have that. And Brent, so whatever day that was, the next day I would have said if you would have emailed me or called me and said, Gord, who's the last person that you could afford to hear injury report today <laughs> on any of the 32 teams in the NHL? I would have said Mike Smith, especially you know based on what what uh, what Ken Holland had said the day before. Then you find out he's one or two weeks away that he's got a thumb thing now that isn't healing, and oh my god, oh my god, like it it is. Um, well, uh, some teams got out of ugly. Uh, Vancouver was able to turn ugly around, but again. Realities hit them a little bit. Philadelphia turned ugly around, and now they've got ugly again. So that's going to boy the Edmonton Oilers. What what a phenomenal start! And we, the old saying they're they're not as good as they started. They were the hottest team in the NHL, and we can't I can't believe they're as bad as they're playing now. But uh, they got to figure something out. 
They, they do. And, you, you know, you mentioned the goaltending there. They it, it looked for half a second there like they maybe had found a little found money in Stuart Skinner. He was tremendous when he came up. But, you know, he kind of came back down to earth. We saw a similar thing here with, with Joe Wall. When, a, you know, a goalie comes in, can play pretty well for, for a spell of games. But, you know, especially for a team that's as leaky as the Oilers can be at times, it's just so much to ask of kind of any any goaltender. And then you, you look at the fact that they're kind of going to a kid in the mix there as well. It's just, man, it's uh, it is so tough, and I do wonder. Do you think it gets to a point like it's just it's kind of against the way this sport goes? It's you know we don't think of McDavid as a noisy guy, but do you think at a certain point in time he like? Do you think there's a point where he asks for a trade? Does he just bide his time until his contract's up? Do do, do you see any change with him coming there at any point in time? Well, they get annoyed out there because they always think we're advocating McDavid coming to Toronto. Well, I am. I, well, for the record, I am. Yeah. Well, everybody would love. Everybody <laughs> would love Connor McDavid to go to whatever city they're in. I, I just mean he made an eight-year commitment there, and uh, yeah, I got to think under you know uh, under uh, underneath. I don't even know if talks are going on now, and not about trading him right now, but about you know just like hey, this 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 can't this this is this is getting real tiring. This is this this is old. This is tired, and you know, and and they know that too. Uh, and and they've and they and that's one reason they went and got Zach Hyman in the off season. Like you know, they want to keep surrounding him with a better supporting cast. And every year you kind of go, oh my god, once again, once again, it hasn't happened. Like it's not it's not even like anybody's emerged. Like that's where in in the case of of uh, a Bunting, Camp, and Casha, that's what they needed in Edmonton. You know, and that's what's gone really well for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Because the Toronto Maple Leafs needed a better supporting cast. Like, they couldn't keep, you know, others that had, were making more money. So they had to make some moves. And uh, they're hamstrung by not having a ton of money to spend. But, boy, they spent it really, really wisely in Toronto. And right now, again, and maybe Edmonton will turn it around. And we'll be saying different things in a few weeks. But, once again, they haven't done it. Well, and I think the probably the frustrating thing for everybody involved there, including McDavid, is, and, you know, look, I, I'm sure if he hated the moves, we wouldn't hear from him. But, you know, the kind of scuttlebutt behind the scenes, you hear what he says publicly. These are all moves he was on board with. Zach Hyman, go get him for me and put him on my wing. Who who wouldn't love that? You know, you heard his comments about Evander Kane. He seems open op, open to the, to that. And it just, it, you know, it'd be, I, I could see the frustration coming from him if the team was making moves that he necessarily didn't agree with. But it, it seems to me like he's been kind of on board with all this, so I'm sure the frustration's palpable. You know, in terms of Hyman, uh, that's a great Leaf, uh, former Leaf, to go get. Uh, Tyson Berry, he's actually found a, a touch of form there. Cody Cece, uh, it is it is a bit of a uh, former Leaf uh, graveyard over over there in uh, in Edmonton uh, right now. We'll see if they turn it around, because, yeah, it is. Uh, this is not the year uh, they, they thought they'd be having. Uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl, yes, uh, they're at 53 and 54 points, respectively, but everybody else, uh, definitely not the season they had. You're, you're right. They can't be this bad. They can't be. I don't know that they've left themselves uh, enough time to uh, to turn it around. Uh, one other thing I wanted to uh, mention, uh, slide in here before we uh, we finish up today. A uh, few players with Marley's connections are going to be playing in yeah. the Olympics. Obviously, we're bummed out. We're bummed out that the uh, the NHLers aren't going, but plenty of Marley's connections. Uh, Kenny Agassino, he'll be there uh, playing for the States, and then you have a couple of Leafs prospects who are playing in college right now. Uh, Matthew Knees, he was going to play uh, for the American World Junior 
team, or I guess he did play for them before the tournament got canceled. He's been having a standout year, second round pick uh, from from a couple years ago, and then a uh, fourth rounder from a couple years ago as well uh, out of Harvard, uh, Nick Abruzzi. So uh, uh, look, uh, you know, I I don't know what we'll see. I'm not going to necessarily give you a scouting report, uh, but I know people are really high on the knees kid out of Minnesota. So either way, it'll be fun to have some uh, some Leafs connections uh, in the Olympic Games, even though the NHLers won't be there. Yeah, I don't know, Brent, you at the end getting us back to the structure because we intended to end with a Marley Minute talking. And, yeah, what a what a different minute it is. There's taxi squads now, and, yeah, and there's, they're getting as many games postponed as NHL games have been postponed. But, uh, but uh, through the no NHL players at the Olympics and whether it's uh, Owen Power, who we know is not a Marley, is not a Leaf, but being able to see him play for Canada, which has to excite Buffalo Sabre fans, this will be a great experience for um, Maple Leaf prospects with the Toronto Marlies. And uh, from, yeah, uh, from something negative, it, it also, also means an opportunity for others. And that's what they're getting. Yeah, you mentioned Owen Power there. Uh, he's done everything but play in the World Juniors. Played for the World Championships. He's going to play in the Olympic Games. I'm sure he's had some wonderful college experiences. Uh, but no World Juniors for him. Although, hat trick in the one game he did play. Uh, not too shabby there. Uh, Gord, always, always fun uh, getting with you. Uh, get to recap the week. Dance around the NHL a little bit. Uh, we'll be back with a post-game uh, pod on Wednesday night when the Leafs take on the Rangers. Can't wait for it. Can't wait for that as well, and uh, we will have the Islander game uh, on Saturday as well. So, yep, uh, as always, on the fan, it's your Leaf station, and we'll have the Leaf action regardless of postponed games, what have you, and we'll find out if Austin Matthews can tie that NHL record. That's right. Record watch on Wednesday night. We'll be back with a post-game pod. Thanks so much for you out there listening. This has been the Leafs This Week on Sportsnet 590 The Fan.